Hey, everyone. Um, we wanted to give you a heads up. Um, there is a trigger warning. At the tail end of this episode, a sexual assault occurs between two of the OC characters. We want to be sensitive to the subject matter. So if you want to skip forward in time, please check our show notes for when to skip to. Help is always available for anyone struggling with the trauma of sexual assault. RAIN is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization and it offers help to survivors. If you need to speak to someone, you can call their hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE. Welcome to the OC Bitches. Welcome to the OC Bitches. How's it going? Hi, Rachel. <laughs> Hi. How's Puerto Rico, Mindy? I'm still here. This is my last day. Um, to be honest, actually, um, it's really hard to shoot right now. I'm doing an episode of Fantasy Island in Puerto Rico, and we've been inundated. The poor production was people getting COVID, and the schedule keeps changing, and that's why I'm still here and not um, in the studio with you all. Oh, but I'm coming home tomorrow. <laughs> Yay! Well, we can't wait yeah. to have you back. Me um, too. Yeah. I'm really, really sad to miss today. So, but well, I'm here in spirit. You are, <laughs> and on the screen. <laughs> Yay! And in our ears. That too. <laughs> well, today we're going over season two, episode twenty-one, "The Return of Nana." Is it the return of the Nana? Return of the Nana. Return of the Nana. I always know because Schwartz always refers to it as the Nana. Anyway. Right, right. <laughs> uh, today's episode, Sandy, Seth, and Ryan travel to Miami, Florida to visit Sandy's mother, the Nana. After she tells Sandy she is engaged to a much younger man back in Newport, Marissa helps Trey find work and Trey misinterprets Marissa's friendly gestures as a sexual advance. Zach invites Summer over for an Italian-themed dinner. And Kirsten, unable to go to Miami with Sandy, is left on her own to deal with her feelings for Carter. Directed by Ian Toynton, written by Josh Schwartz, and the original air date was May 5th, 2005. Now, I got to say, this is actually one of the more memorable episodes mm -hmm. for me, just as a viewer, because Julie Cooper wasn't even there. But I had so much fun re-watching this episode in detail. <laughs> so did did you have the same reaction? I Rachel? did. And you know what's funny is I wasn't in Miami as Summer, but I was in Miami as myself because I made sure I got there just like I did with Vegas. Although Schwartz right. couldn't find a way to put Summer in Miami. So I found a way to put myself. <laughs> um, it was really fun right. to watch again. I remember being there and uh, just hanging out. It was pretty cool. <laughs> okay. Well, then let's get into the episode and any memories that yeah. That jog. And then um, I have some memories from our editor, Matt, too. So let's Matt get Matt Ramsey. It. Oh, good. Okay. Matt Ramsey. So yeah. it opens in the Cohen kitchen, per usual. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was so funny because you hear here you have Seth bemoaning the fact that I don't believe it. Ryan Bright Eyes has two albums in the top 10. <laughs> and and Ryan goes, um, are you okay that with that? And he's like, yeah, I guess so. It's just, I guess everyone's caught up to me. Like just so, <laughs> so full of ego. And then I thought, okay, this is Josh Schwartz written all over it. Yes. And right? Brody also, I would say. Right, a combo right. of the two, for sure. It's like they're, they're patting themselves on the back. Like, yeah, yeah. I mm -hmm. knew them before when. <laughs> yep. Um, and then, so they get a call from the Nana and she wants to speak to Sandy and she reveals, well, the Nana is heading to the altar. 
And so they all right. are going to Miami. Well, we think they all. Right. But they're not. Well, I thought it was funny <laughs> when, yes, that, so the phone rings, Seth answers, and she she gives him some shit about not cashing that $20 check. And then she he tries to hand her off to Kirsten. And it's like, oh, no, 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 not the scary Nana. Yep. But then while, while Sandy's uh, talking to her, the audience gets to know that, yes, last time we saw her, she only had six months to live and now she's in a full remission. Mm-hmm. So that's good news. Mm-hmm. And yes, now they're off to, she's getting hitched. Yep. Now, but of course, Sandy's eyes go wide like, oh shit, we got to get to Miami. Yep. I got to save. I got to see what's going on. Right. So they think they're all going, but it turns out Kirsten can't go. Ryan doesn't want to go, but Seth convinces him. <laughs> he says to do it for Sandy, which is actually kind of like the part that's pretty, pretty, um, vulnerable when it comes to Ryan. He's like, anything for Sandy. Right, yes. right. right. He did save his ass. <laughs> when they go into the bedroom and he's like, I need my miles. And he, and she's like, what's the hurry? Like, what's going on with you? And he's like, look, I love my mother, but who else would? Right. I mean, it's my favorite Sandy line of the whole thing because yeah. it's like, he's not wrong. there's something, he, it's gotta be, there's gotta be something not on the up and up here, right? Right. <laughs> um, So we get to Summer's bedroom in this episode. Now, I dun 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 dun. <laughs> that, that's dun, right. Dun dun. I have the tiger. Okay. <laughs> comes on in, and Summer not only is like dressed to the nines for boxing, if that's a thing, also with mouth guard. Very important. Why is when, that? When you're when you're punching <laughs> a punching bag, definitely have a mouth guard in. I mean. <laughs> well, uh, I think I think she just wants the absolute full real because. Yeah, I don't think you actually put the mouth guard in unless you're actually receiving blows from somebody else. Right. And may- maybe it's just in case her pa- her punch is so powerful that yeah. that bag is going to pop her back in the face. I'd like to and think so. And she's protecting those pretty teeth. Yeah. Right. I'd yeah. like to think but, so. But you have a you have a good punch. I mean, I don't know. I must I'm assuming someone showed me because definitely not something I can do on my own. Um uh, but they may have added some some impact sound on that bag. Oh, for sure. But maybe it was all It's hard. <laughs> Boxing's hard. It takes a lot of strength. But yeah, she's yep. still pissed at Seth about the Silver Lake party and he, you know, wants him to forgive her, but then they decide to take a time out and he's like, I'm going to Miami. And she's like, oh, cool. Spring break in Miami. Even though he says he's going to see the Nana. Right. He says, I'm going to, to see the Nana, but I just feel like, you know, you know, he's going to see the Nana, but she instantly assumes it's spring break craziness. But you know what? He does get himself into situations and she's right. Like she knows that, you know, he's he's off to do this because he did this stuff in Vegas. So why right. not? Even right. though it sounds like she's be sounding like a jealous girl. It's actually, she, I think she's just telling the truth. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then Ryan yeah. goes to break the news to Marissa and she looks amazing. He's even like, whoa, <laughs> she looks very beautiful. Well, that was... It, that, that's exactly what I wrote because, you know, he's, you know, because he, at first he said, I don't want to go because I'm just starting off things again with Marissa. And of course he gets convinced to go, but then he opens that door and she looks, wow, that top was amazing. And yeah. his, and Ben's eyes are like, wow, I think yes. that was kind of a real moment. But, but he doesn't, uh, he's worried about leaving Trey. So Marissa, of course, volunteers to check on him and help him find a job right. and all of that stuff. She's like, I got you. Anything for you. Anything and she's, for you. She's the opposite. Yeah, she's the opposite response that that um, that Summer has. She's like, yeah. okay, yes. go have fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's nothing. Opposite. She's not jealous. She's not punching punching bags. <laughs> then we're back at the Cone House, and Sandy's going over the checklist with Kirsten. I, it was very funny because his password 
for the alarm is Grease Lightning. Now, obviously, this was a little <laughs> personal plug because Peter was Danny, Danny Zuko, Zuko on, on Broadway, Broadway. Yeah. right? So I thought that was a funny little yep, thing they yep. threw in there. <laughs> and why do you think that he's he's so uptight as if Kirsten's never taken care of the house before, but this is just his, you know, obviously inside he's got some fears about his mother. But um, but yeah, yeah, as soon as they close the door, what does Kirsten do? She calls, calls Carter. Carter. Yep. What the hell? Well, you know what? This brought up a memory for me watching, um, you know, because the stage of the of the Cohen house, it's, it's on a stage and it's very close to these big, huge stage doors. Mm-hmm. And that's where they would back in the cars. But if you ever had to actually start a car, get into it and leave, it was suffocating with carbon monoxide. Yeah. There were moments where it was like- It's a good point, I, All I could think was, yeah, do you remember when we'd have to start real, yeah. these real combustible engines on the on the stage? And it was like- Quite stinky. They had to open up the doors because I don't think it's legal to have the doors closed when it's like that. Right. Anyway, that's what I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we're in Miami. We're at Miami Beach. And of course, Will Smith's Welcome to Miami is playing. Welcome what other to song? Miami. Right. What does Sandy say in the immortal words of Will Smith? Welcome to Miami. He has to point it out and the song's playing. I think it's pretty obvious. So it's kind of redundant. <laughs> yeah, in case you don't know, <laughs> Sandy lets you know. Right. Um, and Seth is instantly an old Jewish man. I mean, it's so funny. I just love when he's like calling out like stew and whatever, all the old men names. And- well, yeah, when he gets out of the cab, you know, we saw him in Orange County and then all of a sudden he gets out of the cab and he's instantly this, he takes on the mannerisms of like, uh... <laughs> and he's not, he hasn't even seen, he hasn't even seen his old buddies yet. Right. And I think Brody himself also was very fond of being an old man. <laughs> I think yeah, he had yeah. an affinity for the grandpas out there. Um, you know, Matt, Matt Ramsey, I, 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 I was so impressed with the editing on this episode and I'll point out the, the scenes or will point out the scenes that, that really made an impact. But he, he knew this episode without even going back and looking at it. But he did say that he, when he saw that it was Welcome to Miami, he went, ooh, I bet Alex wasn't happy about us using it twice because whenever they'd pick expensive songs, mm-hmm. you know, the editors would pick them, that the budget was a little more stretched. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that was that was probably an expensive yeah. song. He pointed out that songs like the Bob Seger songs or the 80s songs or anything that was super, super well-known always right. had a little bit of a higher price tag. Yes, for sure. Um, so we're in Miami, and just to to let everybody know, I wasn't in the part of Miami, but I did get myself there by agreeing to promote a nightclub in Miami. <laughs> so it got me there, and at the time, Josh's girlfriend, who was my best friend, we were just, you know, up in the suite, ordering room service, having the best time while everyone was working. Adam was working long hours, <laughs> Josh was working one out, long hours, but we were like ordering room service, and I was going to promote a nightclub. At one point, Josh said, <laughs> while they were shooting, uh, an airplane was going on overhead and affecting the noise, you know, the sound for the scene. And they looked up and it had a big banner saying Rachel Bilson at whatever nightclub it was tonight. Or <laughs> it was I was the one disrupting production, which I think is pretty funny. And I think he's mentioned before. But that's how I got myself to Miami, made sure. And I had a great time at the Font- Font- Fountain Blue, Fountain... Before it was remodeled, it's an old classic hotel in Miami. Can I ask, um, because I've never been hired to promote anything, nor nor would I ever. But 
<laughs> how does that work? You know, they you you are compensated for showing up to a club and therefore fans or just people show up, right? Yeah, that I think what- that they like advertise it that somebody will be at a certain place on a certain night and you just mm-hmm. pay to get into the club, I think. You know, it's really weird. Josh said... He told me that it was like really big crowds for the nightclub. And I was very flattered. I said, that's amazing. People actually came out to see me. That's kind of, that was a long time ago. It just goes to show you, man. That, that was where the heydays. I can only imagine how busy it was because they were shooting on the streets. And, uh, you know, as, as, we come, the as we come up here on the next scene. Taking over Miami, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for I sure. I can imagine that it was, it was quite, quite a scene. But um, we won't ignore what's going back um, in on in the OC because Kirsten, all excited, she runs into the Newport group and she's like, oh, I have the whole weekend off. Maybe we could, it's like the, the most excited we've seen Kirsten in a long time, which mm. we also all know that that's a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. But um, Carter's there to say, you know, I just want to let you know, well, you know, I got offered a job in, in New York and leaving Monday and all I could think is he's, of course, he's jumping ship, but she says, oh, that's wonderful. That's great. And she is constantly saying stuff that she doesn't mean. Right. Because yeah. it's, I, she's devastated here. So, mm-hmm. But then she invites him over for a farewell dinner. Of course. To, As she to should. her house. Yep. Of course. Mm-hmm. And what, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Speaking of what could go wrong, we're now at Trey's apartment where Marissa shows up to tell him that she's going to help him find a job. He's also naked <laughs> when he answers the door wearing just a sheet. Just to paint a picture. Uh, but Marissa is so <laughs> kind, isn't she? Just offering. <laughs> I'm going to help you find a job. She really is like the sweetest person ever. Best girlfriend ever. Right. <laughs> Just comes on by. She's like, hey. And and and, and as, as she leaves, waves goodbye from her convertible. And Trey, still holding onto the sheet, covering his nether region, uh, looks out the window. And up behind him uh-huh. comes uh, Jess, yes. who is Nikki Griffin, by the way. I don't know if we ever mentioned Nikki Griffin. And uh, we'd love to talk to her when she has time, by the way. Uh, anybody asking if we um, we have reached out to her. But um, she comes up, looks at him and says, Marissa Cooper, yeah, in what world? Right. Never. Right. And he says, it's not like that. But, but... Is he flattered? Does he have an inkling like, wow, that was so sweet. Like he's, you know, I think he takes it for what it is, kindness, but it makes him like her a little bit more, I think. I think so too. Absolutely. Yeah. And maybe he's getting the wrong message. Who knows? Who knows? Back in Miami Beach, Will Smith, Miami, plays again over a montage of South Beach and a Miami Vice tribute. And the young life that is... Yeah, it was. It, this is this is Matt Ramsey again doing this um, amazing ah, edit that yes. that took some very iconic scenes from that opener of Miami Vice, one of my favorite shows of all time, <laughs> and then slams right into the old people home, which is great. By the way, <laughs> that's the- where I'd want to be. I'd want to be the old people home, hanging out with all the grandparents, playing shuffleboard. I mean, listening to stories. That is my version of Miami that I would enjoy. Just putting it out there. This is one of the best scenes. And Seth is over the moon. <laughs> and he he gets to see all of his old friends. And he, those sunglasses. Oh my my mom wears those sunglasses. Honestly, I want a <laughs> pair. I'm not even kidding. I really would like a pair of those sunglasses. I'm going to rock them. Um, How funny was Sandy and Ryan going? And he was like, he has, he has more friends here than he has in Newport. Yeah. it's I know. This is like... <laughs> Definitely where Seth belongs. (laughs) 
Rachel, I work out every day, or at least I try to. And some days I go super hard. Like when I'm here in Puerto Rico, I actually clocked in about three hours the other day because I ate some pancakes for my birthday. And when I do that, actually, I make sure that I, I start and end the day with liquid IV. And I love it because one stick of liquid IV hydration in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. You know what? I actually love the flavor options. I'm a huge pina colada fan. And the fact that liquid IV has this flavor just makes it even more tempting to drink as much as possible. And the best part is one stick of liquid IV contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Grab Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code OC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code OC at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code OC. I've noticed my morning routine can really make or break how my day is going to play out. Whether I'm hitting the gym or hitting the snooze button, I make sure I'm going to have my best day every day by starting with Bloom. I love Bloom Greens. I am getting everything I need first thing in the morning, which starts my day on the right foot. I am ready, energized, and I feel good about it. Bloom Greens are packed with over 50 nutrients, including whole fruits and veggies, fiber, probiotics, antioxidants, and more. Mix it in with water or smoothie to add to your daily routine. It comes in four delicious flavors, coconut, mixed berry, citrus, and original. My favorite is original. I've been adding it to my morning routine and my protein shakes. It's delicious and a perfect addition to my day. And right now, Bloom Nutrition is offering our listeners 15% off your purchase of their greens and superfoods blend when you go to bloomnew.com slash OC. That's B-L-O-O-M-N-U dot com slash OC for 15% off your purchase. Go to bloomnew.com slash OC for 15% off. We finally see that. So the Nana shows up and mm-hmm. he says, you remember Ryan? She's like, oh, yes. She flirts with him. Yeah. You know, who yeah. can forget those arms? And then they take <laughs> off. But but I wanted to look this up. I wanted to see um, these actors because I thought I recognized them. And um, there was Burt Greenberg, Alan Reed, and Sid Raymond playing Abe's um, Stanley and Stu. Uh-huh. But um, Sid Raymond was a veteran of 188 credits. That's a huge, wow. huge career. And this was his last appearance <gasps> before his death in 2006. I just got chills. So I thought that was, oh. yeah. Josh um, told me that he definitely played shuffleboard at his own Nana's condo. So I think that's oh, where okay. the shuffleboard came from. <laughs> and if I had to guess, <laughs> right. he probably wasn't very good. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> just, you know, his athleticism is not his strong suit. But um, uh, I love it. I just love the whole storyline. And, you know, Josh always plays up the stuff with the Nana because of his own. And um, you can feel it a lot in this episode. So he calls his Nana the Nana? Yeah, the Nana. The Nana. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and in this next scene in the Nana's apartment, they're having lunch discussing her new fiance. And of course, they're having pastrami on rye. <laughs> right. You know, and I just love that little add-in that you see in the scene. Yeah, the detail, the detail. I mean, it was so funny when she's she's explaining who her fiance is 12 years younger and they, they want to move to Sarasota where the condo Sandy Botter is. And of course, 
And then she says he's a chiropractor. And if looks could fucking kill, Sandy gives that side look. And it's like, what is it about chiropractors that that they're not real doctors or they yeah, have the stereotype it? that they're like slippery sleazy or something? But Are they sleazy? Know. Are chiropractors known as like <laughs> sleazy sleazy? I don't know. I don't know. But it's uh, but he's but for some reason, the word chiropractor just sends him into like a, a totally different Sandy. Like he doesn't usually give that. You know what? That was a Julie Cooper look. It was that. a Julie Cooper look. <laughs> Good call. Well, we're back in Summer's bedroom and she is boxing again. Again. See, uh, again. you're doing the three-hour workout too. You're in a blage. Uh, I'm uh, in a rage, a rage blackout, blackout boxing. That's true. <laughs> and But this time, someone comes through the door. But instead of... Looking, she just clocks him, and poor Zach takes a whammy to the chin, <laughs> face. I I gotta say, you guys sold that. You're. I really did hit him. That's why I hit. I saw. Oh, you him did? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say he sold it or you sold it, but so there, it looked like there was a con- a definite connect. It was probably him, <laughs> if I had to guess. <laughs> it was probably scary. But he says, like, how how are you? And she's like, well, I'm in French braids, and I'm looking like this. How do you think I am? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. But he takes the opportunity. Yeah, it yeah. takes the opportunity to do what? To make her dinner. Invites her over for dinner. By himself. His family's out of town. How convenient. For Italian. That he learned from Francesca. Yes. Which is kind of a cute inside joke between them. Yep. I mean, he's taking full advantage. He does have that Cheshire grin. And he really is so handsome. Yes, he is. He's a he's a good-looking lad, that little Cassidy. <laughs> Back in Miami, Seth is playing shuffleboard and beating his buddies. He is so excited. <laughs> yeah, Matt Ramsey said that the victory lap, he specifically remembered that the victory lap was improv, of course. Seth doing the, you know. Oh, yeah. It reminded me his first, like, run. It was equivalent to, like, the Phoebe run yeah. from Friends. I don't know if you know it, but <laughs> Brody, how he, like, runs right, off. Right, he, like, right. lengths off. It's pretty funny. Yes. But this is one of the things that my note was, this is what I think is so refreshing about the OC, these scenes that, we're just from a different perspective, like Josh's, you know, perspective of hanging out with his Nana and Nana's friends. Right. And I, I thought it was just a sweet, fun storyline. Really sweet. Because the fun is over soon. So it's, so enjoy it while we can, right? Yeah. And this is where we are, <laughs> we are interrupted by our beautiful guest star, Jamie King, um, who mm-hmm. is Mary Sue visiting her grandma, Mary Ellen. <laughs> um, and. She's so innocent. And she's so innocent and, you know, a little proper Southern girl. Yeah, she's cute. And this is when Jamie was just beginning to act. She had a few things under her belt. And she, and she has a Southern this- accent. And I did a show, Heart of Dixie, with her. And she plays Lemon Breland on the show. And she has an accent. And I heard Lemon, like, a few times. I was like, there's Lemon! <laughs> because she has yeah. an accent in this, too. I was like, girl can do a Southern accent. Right. Yeah. Oh, cute. We go to the bait shop and congrats, Trey got Seth's old job cleaning <laughs> toilets. And then Marissa gives him this big old hug, which is is innocent on her part. But mm-hmm. for some reason, I thought, hmm. Yeah. A little odd. A little but odd. Yeah. They decide to celebrate. And they're going to do some guacamole and, or guacamole and margaritas at Trey's apartment. And all I could think is, Mm-hmm. He's starting to get the wrong idea. He yeah, just likes that, you know. I don't totally blame him either. You know? I mean, 
Well, it, I don't know. You know what? You know, let me take it back. Maybe he's he's just there's a genuine like going on in appreciativeness that doesn't he doesn't get he doesn't get a lot of this kindness that he's been right. receiving from the Coens, from Marissa mm-hmm. and all of that. So I think it's new and and um, maybe maybe I'm I'm jumping ahead to um, be, right. that it's all wrong. He he can reciprocate and be grateful for the kindnesses. Kindness right. of Marissa, right? Right. And it's hard, I mean, you know, it's hard not to feel certain ways towards Marissa because she is so kind and beautiful and, and you know, has that side that just draws you in. You know what I mean? Right. Right. No, like, it, let's, we can never forget that she was, she is the most written as one of the most beautiful women or girls ever. And she's so, so beautiful. She's almost embarrassed by it. Right. You know? Right. Right. Um, so Mary Sue is showing off her shuffleboard skills and she actually beats Seth. I love this. <laughs> I love that she beats him and he can't even believe it. Um, but so, but then she uh, brings up that she needs a partner in a dance contest to mi- win money to help her grandma out, basically, because Music Video Nation, which is basically our riff on MTV, has their spring break going on in Miami. Uh, and it's a competition. She asks Seth to help her and she'll win five grand. Well, yeah, because she, Seth loses. Mm-hmm. And then she says, unless you want to go again. And if he's so competitive, he's like, well, yeah. She's like, well, you know, but then here's the wager. You got to help me with this contest. And because he's so competitive, he doesn't even think about that. So yes, he, it's it's on. They're going to go. They're going to so go. then... So what happens? We don't see what happens. All we do is cut to this massive spring break and full swing MTV style show and hosted by, you've got Swerve, the DJ, VJ, and then you've got one of the stars of Sherman Oaks, the real Valley. Mm-hmm. And, and who's our Swerve? Swerve? Also known as Big Funny Guy, also also known as Brett Harrison, one of all of our best friends, Josh's best friend, Brody's best friend, who was Big Funny Guy, makes a return to Swerve. You would never know. I, I love, know. I he's mean, so cute. He's <laughs> so funny. Brett is so funny uh, in this playing yeah. the, the VJ and bananas, 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 bananas. Yeah, bananas on bananas that, on. Was that whatever. good? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it was so good, and maybe that was a way to get Brett to Miami too. To hang out. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. I mean, at this point, didn't um, Adam and Brett, they lived together when the yes. show started. And, yes. And, yeah. So this is like, they're, you know, they're like real best friends. Oh, this no. Is, it was Brody's uh, best friend. Absolutely. Brett. And, and so, and I, I, as throughout the whole thing, I just kept laughing at him because there was a, there's a close up on him and you can see he's got a stippled on beard. It's not real. Oh, really? Right? <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Yep. But Brett is so funny. He really sold it. But I remember Spring Break on MTV being such a huge thing. I mean, I guess then. uh, It's been a while now, but it was huge. Spring Break, MTV Spring Break. So this is equivalent. And I mean, I'd be flipping out if my boyfriend was there. So I understand Summer being like, "Mm mm-hmm. Just saying. Uh Yeah, just saying. And then, of course, T.I. comes out to sing um, Bring bring Him Out. out. Yeah, which is actually a big, that's a pretty big get, isn't it, for the uh, show? I think at the time, for sure, T.I. was really, uh, really, yeah. that was a huge song, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever do any spring break stuff like this? I never did. I, I don't, 
think so. I don't know. I didn't really go to college. I feel like it's more of a college experience and I didn't yeah. do the whole college thing. So I would say. I think I went to Mexico. I drove to, oh gosh, I can't remember exactly. San Felipe? No. Anyway, I'm not sure where it but was. You did. Somewhere, somewhere in Baja. And, uh, <laughs> and that's about it. Hey, that's <laughs> Camped all on the you beach need, right? like once. <laughs> that sounds fun. So, you know, and then I all, all I could think was Summer was right. Seth does always seem to get himself into trouble. And But you know what? Can you blame him? He's just a young man living his life. And, you know, the point is, Jamie King is beautiful and Mary Sue is, or is it Mary Ellen? Mary, Mary Sue, Sue is Ellen. Jamie and Mary Ellen is the grandma. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see. I got him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so he's, He's going along with it. He's not even thinking about um, summer. Summer. No, he's not. See, I forgot her name. Jeez, not even a thought. <laughs> but we learned that it's not a dance competition. It's actually a whipped cream contest oh. where you have to lick the whipped cream off a bikini-clad lady. So yes, as Ew. you were saying, Seth always seems to get himself into trouble. So I like that Ryan's like have to keep Summer, or does Seth say it, but but Ryan calls Marissa to like, keep Summer away from the television. <laughs> yeah, I hope she pays her cable bill. Yeah, exactly. Because we don't, know. No, he called her to ask to keep her away from the TV and she just tells him that Trey got yeah. a job and she's going to help him celebrate. That's what happened. They're not celebrating but, Yeah, yet. in the meantime, there's Ryan with his finger in his ear and some girl going, they got disqualified. And she flashes him and yep. then pukes. Flashes and Marissa goes, boobs. She goes, that doesn't quite sound like the Nana, does it? Yeah. The Nana got a boob <laughs> But job. she's cool. Yeah. I know. Marissa's super cool about it. Uh, so then we're in Zach's kitchen. He's cooking dinner for summer. I'm sorry. Him in that chef's hat reminds me of the Swedish chef from the Muppets. You know, I you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, absolutely. But I thought Chef Boyardee. And then oh, okay. when you did that, it was like... I just, he, that's yeah. exactly who he reminds me of in this scene. <laughs> I mean, in this scene, I mean, there's something, all these little touches make you just, or made me smile because he could just be sitting there as, as Zach, you know. No, he has flour all over his face. Right. You know, and he puts the little hat on and she's like, Ganaki. Yeah. And that dress is so cute. Oh, do you thanks. remember that dress? I do remember. And I remember we shot this at an actual house. It was a real location. It wasn't on stage. I don't know how I remember that, but I do. And he conveniently puts on the television to pass the time. And sure enough, what's on? Music Nation's spring, music video Nation's spring break spectacular. We don't know what's going to happen there. No. (laughs) Nope. Can't tell what's going to happen there. Nope. No can do. Just going to have some. Fresh from San Diego, California, comes the only sunglasses brand I'm ever going to wear again. I'm talking about blenders eyewear, and you're going to be just as hooked when you see how awesome these shades are. Now, I did a little stint in San Diego myself, so my heart is there, and now my heart are on my eyes with these sunglasses. I just think they are so cool. The Valentine Divine, they're perfect to wear like when you're going on errands or, I mean, if you're at the beach, really, you can wear them anywhere. So everyone knows I use readers, so I got a pair of readers, and I also got a pair of their polarized sunglasses. Now, I thought the Caribbean waters were epic, but they are way more epic and vivid with polarized glasses. 
And I love the backstory too. Chase Fisher started Blenders by selling his beauty shades out of a backpack while doubling as a surf instructor on Pacific Beach. His goal, to create an adventurous mid-priced eyewear option with the same cool factor as other leading styles. Blender's team of in-house designers are constantly coming out with new styles from orange polarized wraparounds, tortoiseshell frames with purple lenses to classic gold arms on black lens. To score 15% off your Blender's purchase, visit blenderseyewear.com and enter promo code OCVIP. That's blenderseyewear.com. Code OCVIP for 15% off. Blenders, rocked with pride worldwide. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to... I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment, bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash podcast 22. Shopify.com slash podcast 22. So now we're back at the in Miami and Nana is taking Sandy to meet her fiance, Bobby, played by the very talented Tony Dennison. You guys might know him or remember him from The Closer. And then he had his own spinoff to Major Crimes. I've met Tony. I've actually played poker with him. But uh, I, I, this, I love this scene. I just think there's something, you know, I love the Sandy Cohen scenes where he's not just, you know, dealing with Rebecca or Kirsten, to be honest, because he does that super kind of aggressive, passive aggressive thing with mm-hmm. this guy. You know, he's super tan, he's greasy or slippery. He's not greasy, sorry. He's slippery mm-hmm. looking. And and sure enough, he was like, talks to, what does he say? He's like, you know, you got my, I asked my FBI friends and my cop friends should, or they asked me, should I do a background check on him? And he's like, no, so Cohen's still sharp. If I, if she trusts him, I trust him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, sure enough, he gets kind of shifty eyed and like uh, zoiks. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's definitely been put on alert by Sandy. Oh yeah. But when we get to Trey's apartment real quick and they're doing the movie Margarita night, it is the wrong movie to bring the notebook. <laughs> I mean. Great choice. That's like. The, but that's a very sweet choice. It's a very romantic. I'm a huge Nick Cassavetes fan, so. Okay. So did you ever force a boyfriend or person in your life to watch that movie? Because I forced Adam to watch it. And he yeah. was not, it wasn't, it, he, he was not in the mood for a chick flick the way I was like, look at this, this is so great. And he wasn't? <laughs> no, he, he would appreciate it now maybe, but at the time it just wasn't the right, right, right movie. I think Adam and I saw it together and Brett. I feel like Brett, because I can, all I can remember is Brett going blue shutters. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that we all saw it together. It was a, it was a That's very... a great impression yeah. of Brett. <laughs> shredders. Yeah. He's like, blue shutters. <laughs> yes. I think that we all, we all saw that together. Um, but yeah, the notebook. Okay, Marissa. Anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. But this song, this next, so we, we when we cut back to Miami Beach spring break again, you hear the gorillas, kids with guns. First of all, I love the song, but for some reason, kids with guns, Kids with guns. Whenever mm-hmm. I hear the song, it's also on the OC Mix 5. But it's like, you know, I don't remember that much about music, but I remember this song. And to me, wow. it's just the epitome of the OC. Yeah, so for sure. We played a couple times in this in this uh, 
episode. Yeah. So yeah, Seth looks pretty nervous about the whole thing. And now that he knows it's a whipped cream thing, he's trying to get out of it. Yeah. And and she does a really good job of convincing him. So then Ryan's getting a drink, a drink, a thing of water from the bar. And he happens to talk to this dude, a conservative dude, talking about his Bible studies and with his buddies from Bob Jones University. And they're ready to take down whoever's helping his girlfriend. He's so funny. I, I looked up this actor, Brian F. Durkin. He is, <laughs> he's, he, I don't know, This it was one of his first jobs. And I just thought the casting was so good. Yeah. And his delivery was so good. And, and just the dialogue that they gave him was, it was, it was almost stereotypical, but it was made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Right? Yes. Very, very stereotypical, but funny. And we right, learned right. that Mary Sue is his girlfriend and he's going to kill whoever is helping her com- do this sin. Right. <laughs> and Ryan's like, oh, <laughs> realizing what's going on. Um, in Trey's apartment, Marissa is very drunk from the margaritas after celebrating. And she's super drunk. They're yeah. playing quarters because he's like, she's like, look, I thought I could drink, but I keep losing. And whoa, I can't keep up with you. And he's like, I was all time drinker Chino, which he says with pride. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, but then he's, they, they say, okay, movie time. And then they get jump up on the couch. And all I could think, you know, is he, he gets kind of close to her, but the way they they acted this scene, all I could think was Marissa's saying in her intuition, something feels off. I don't know if it's predicting or something, but mm-hmm. didn't you feel like that in Absolutely. the scene that she was kind of like, she felt like mm-hmm. Ugh, something, something's off. And I that, that little spidey sense of maybe not feeling safe or her brain tells her, tells her she's had too much to drink, whatever. And then she says she has to run outside and he's like, okay, yeah, no problem. While he goes and does a big, bump of, of cocaine there. Oh, yeah. And we forgot to say that the, he was doing it with Jess. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's how that goes, those two. Mm-hmm. Because we hadn't seen them do that before. Right, right. right. But yeah, so, it and, and Seth goes all in on this competition, right? It's pretty crazy. Yeah, they spray the the girls with the on on their chest and all over their body, and the and the concept is that they lick the whipped cream, and once the whipped cream is off the body, then they eat the cherry out of the mouth. This was, ooh. I mean, is this a real thing? Have you seen this before? Or is this something made up? I mean, all I can think is Varsity Blues with like Allie Larder whipped cream bikini. That's as far as I can go with it. (laughs) Well, so this is where I wanted to give you guys a few notes, a little backstory that Matt Ramsey sent. We got major blowback uh, because of the whipped cream scene. And he thinks it was because it was right after the Janet Jackson Super Bowl there was a major clampdown on what we could show. So he remembers having to recut it multiple times to get them to approve it. And then says he also got in trouble because he slipped in any, oh, because he always slipped in any bad words that were ad lib from the cast and kept them in the cut for fun until we locked. This episode in particular had a lot of fucks in it. After we sent this episode to the studio and network, I got a strongly worded email from someone, I think at the network, saying to stop doing that. Haha. I used to have a printout of the email hanging up in my office. I thought it was so cool. Haha. So dumb. (laughs) That was from Matt. We love Matt. He has great insight into all of these episodes. Okay, we're back at Zach's house. Um, The whipped cream competition plays in the background on the television, and Summer and Zach are enjoying their gnocchi. 
Uh, he goes to get a second plate. Um, and of course, right at that moment, he leaves. Summer conveniently looks at the television. And right at that moment, Seth is licking all of the whipped cream off of Mary Sue and takes the cherry from her mouth, which looks like a kiss. And what does Summer do? Immediately responds by leaping out of her chair and attacking Zach's face with her mouth. Yes, kisses Zach. And game on, as they say. She is very perturbed. So we find out that Seth and Mary Sue won the whipped cream competition. I mean, I did still see some whipped cream still on Mary Sue, but we'll just, we'll let that slide. Ryan runs up to grab Seth to protect him from the Bible study brigade. I mean, it's just so funny. This whole sequence is just ridiculously amazing and funny, and we love it. So when Bobby didn't show up to dinner, Nana instantly looks at, I love his excuse. It was, you know, that he had a malpractice suit. And she's like, oh, darling, how long will that take? And whatever, however long that takes. She instantly knows that Sandy said something. So now Sandy's going to apologize to her. And what a beautiful scene. Um, Just, she's an amazing actor. But she just looks at him and says, you know, there's a part of me that knew. And this is probably why I wanted you here. And I just didn't want to spend the rest of my life alone. And of course, Sandy says, well, I'll come visit you more. And she's like, no, you've got a family. You've got a family. But um, but yeah, it was a very touching scene. And I just, it elevates the show when we have actors of that caliber. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love the Nana. I wish we had had more of her. Yeah, I agree. We're now back at the Cohen house. Remember when we talked to Billy about this? And we weren't sure because I kept thinking, you know, they're finishing up their, this whole time they've been getting more drunk and drunk and drunk and Mm -hmm. they're, you know, touching hands, opening the bottle of wine. And finally she, she confesses that she didn't actually make the delicious meal. And he says he has a confession that he didn't want to leave because of her. And what do they do? They kiss. And that was a kiss. Like that was a serious kiss. It wasn't just a goodbye kiss, right? I, I felt it. Now there was the weight of this, that what's going on in Kirsten's head and she's emotionally attached and what she was missing from her relationship with Sandy. And oh my God. And I, I, I was like, that woman just needed to be kissed yeah, so that she could say, okay, see ya, bye. Yeah, although did she really want to say, okay, see ya, bye after that kiss? I don't think so. No, no. Instead, she, she pulls out the vodka and does a heavy pour. Mm-hmm. Darn girl. She's yeah. like, downs that thing. She ain't messing around. Trouble. Okay, so now we're getting to the scene on the beach with Trey. Yeah, these two two last scenes are kind of heavy. And Marissa. Yeah, this 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 was hard to watch. So obviously Marissa needed air because she was drunk, and they're out on the beach. And honestly, the acting in this scene, like Logan, uh, like howl with me, and like how Misha slash Marissa reacts to like howling. She's like, I'm not much of a howler. Like, it's so real. Because like, you know how awkward Mm -hmm. you feel if someone's like howl and you're like, oh. (laughs) It's just that realness in that moment. I just commend them both. Yeah, this this scene in particular, after I watched the episode, first of all, you're exactly right. The, The acting was incredible and the editing was so powerful. And that's what made me reach out to Matt. But- it hit me so hard because first of all, he does, you know, he does this 
is it alcohol and the bump of co- and then he's the fact that he's on cocaine saying I can do anything when I'm with you and but the moment he grabs onto her and grabs her like he grabs her like her midsection and she there's not a single thing that she does that would encourage that from the get go. She's it's a big no. Mm-hmm. And it just goes further and further and further. And then there's a shot where they slam onto the sand and it was Hard. so violent. Yeah. Yeah. And so jarring. And they just gave these amazing fearless performances. And I'm in between Kirsten and the uh, Marissa tracing. I think these are the two darkest storylines of the entire series and you know in the subsequent episodes we'll we'll look into the aftermath of of something like this and and what it does I don't want to get into all of that now but it did make me kind of think about everything that the creators have had to do to this character that that the Marissa character was victimized time and time again and it was she she really did not have a have an easy road the the character it was i mean between the odin and their parents and there's just this she's just swimming in a in a world of loss and grief and trauma it's it's like br- every it's, day yeah it's brutal and he is you know physically attacking her uh and she finally finds a piece of driftwood and whacks the shit out of him to get him to stop. That was a real, I mean, the whole scene though, it's just heavy even talking about it because anytime you see yeah. anything like this or think about anything like this, it's just really disturbing. Um, but again, you know, we have to give it to uh, the actors in this because they really, they really sold it and it was hard to watch. Right. But she, it, she of course, she runs away. She gets away, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And that phone is ringing and he, he sits up and he's got this, huge red crimson wound on his forehead and the phone rings. He sees that it's Ryan, I mm-hmm. guess there's a caller ID mm-hmm. and he just sits there. And all I could think is you are irredeemable. You yeah. miserable fuck. And what have fucked. I done? Or he says, I'm totally fucked. He yeah. knows it. Yeah. How I could you not went be too far? How could way, you not way be too far? There's, there's, there's nothing. And, and so then of course, I saw that there was a quote that Stephanie Savage said that as a rule, she and Josh made sure that in the writing that Marissa and Ryan never had it easy. And that's what, you know, the melodrama of this show is encompasses. So, of course, then on the other side, you know, as this, as, as that right before that happened, you know, this happens and then you cut to Ryan and Seth we don't know exactly what happened, but we know that he's whole. He's covered in whipped cream head to toe. Yes, and Josh commented <laughs> he remembers Brody completely covered in whipped cream, just walking the streets of South Beach in Miami while we were shooting this, just covered in whipped cream for hours. <laughs> <laughs> it must have. I mean, if it was in the heat, well, it was at night, but but that would have gotten a little. Hmm, I wonder if it was real whipped cream. We should have asked him, um, Cindy. I about think it that. was or shaving cream. I feel like it was shaving oh, probably. cream. Probably. Yeah, yeah, because you wouldn't want dairy going bad. <laughs> I just think, yeah, I think shaving cream uh, holds up better. And I, if I remember correctly, I think it was shaving cream. <laughs> you know, I was either at the club or I was in the suite. So I don't know, but I'm guessing it was shaving cream. Um, yeah, but that's our episode and it ends on a very heavy note. 
Today's guest is a very dear friend going back 15 plus years, probably, maybe more. I, I can't do the more. math. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, but not only is she one of the most beautiful people, both inside and out, she's an incredibly talented actress. I was lucky enough to work alongside her for four seasons on Heart of Dixie. She was Miss Lemon Breland. Um, she started her career as a top model on the runways of Chanel, Alexander McQueen, McQueen Dior, no big deal. It's the we name cruised of a lot of Chanel events together. We have, yep, over the years, <laughs> for sure. Um, and then followed by impressive roles in projects like Pearl Harbor, Sin City, Blow, Spirit, her most recent series, Black Summer, which you were also a producer on, right? Yes, yes, yes. For Netflix. Um, anyway, it just, the list goes on and on. I could never name them all, but everyone, please welcome my gorgeous friend, Jamie King. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. We're <laughs> Thanks so for being happy here. to have you here. Um, I, it feels been, like home. Good. Well, it should, because you, I mean, we're <laughs> like family. We are like family. Yes, absolutely. We have spent a lot of time together, uh, and I've been waiting for us to get to this episode because you're in it. And I was so excited for you to come and talk to us on the podcast. <laughs> it's so crazy. What year was this up? Was it 2005? It was May 2005, yes. 2005. I keep forgetting what year it is now. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what did I say? 15 <laughs> plus years that we... I think we, we lost two years in the pandemic. Yeah, we have for sure. So it's 20... So, so 2000... I'm not good. Oh my, <laughs> we can't do math anymore. 17 years? 17 years. 17 years. 17 years. I was enamored with you. Oh, my God. Oh, you... Well, first of all, when you came on the scene, James King, right? You went by James and, like, you were... I remember Josh Schwartz telling me the first time he ever saw you, he was like, that's the most gorgeous, gorgeous person I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God. I know. Funny. And I was like, yeah. That's... Like, you... Very kind. Well, you were just so shocking. You still are shockingly beautiful, but just, like, you came on the scene so fierce so full force like this flame of like I mean it was just insane and what a time for you because you well you started modeling very young really young yeah very young and like 14 right yeah 14 and you're from Nebraska yes Omaha yes yes (laughs) uh and starting that young you know I'm sure you grew up really fast but it was like you were put into all of it yeah. Then. Yeah. Right? Yes. I mean, growing up in Nebraska, I was always very artistic and it felt like the outside of me didn't match the inside of me, you know? And mm-hmm. I didn't, I always knew I wanted to be a filmmaker. And I had read in a newspaper, in the local newspaper, that if you went to a modeling school, then you could meet people from big cities. <laughs> And I was so obsessed with film and fashion and art. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and remember, at that time, there's no internet, you know. So I was like, oh, okay, if I get to a big city, you know, that's going to be my opportunity to do what I want to do. And so I convinced my parents to let me go to this modeling school where they, they gave me like Amy Vanderbilt's book of etiquette. And you learned like forks oh and God. how to file your... You, now I have anxiety <laughs> even when I file my nails because like you have to do it a particular way. No um, way. Yeah. Wow. And I went um, to New York with my mother and um, went to go back to school in Nebraska. But that summer, there was just something that hit. And thank God for like a Kate Moss, right? Because I wasn't tall enough. And before you had to be like 5'10", 5'11". And because Kate was smaller, she's 5'7". That was really like like the summer where things were popping off for petite girls. 
Not as petite as her feet. <laughs> which every say. time in a vintage store, I'm like, oh, these are, <laughs> this is for Bilson. Ooh, these are Bilson size. Yeah, no, I, you are still very tall, I would say. Well, I guess because I'm looking from down here, everything's tall to me, but I mean, <laughs> come on now. Um, but that's so interesting. So that's what kind of got you. Yeah, yeah. I was really lucky, blessed, I guess. Um, where it was kind of an immediate thing. And, and back then in fashion, it was like there was a, a small select group, you know what I mean? Where it was like still like the time of the supermodel kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was determined to save my money and learn everything that I could from the designers and the ateliers and the artists and then go into acting. And I said I was retiring at the age of, I barely 18 and they thought I was loco like they're like what are you talking about you're gonna go like do movies you're gonna direct movies write movies being mo-. like that didn't because remember then like there were no multi-hyphenates mm-hmm. you know it wasn't like you could be like an actor a model sure. of this or it was like you were either a tv actor or a film actor right. or a singer um and there was a filmmaker Daniel Waters who wrote Heather's one of my favorite films oh yeah and he had seen a picture of me, and um, I got to audition for his film, and that was my first film, and so on and so on and so on. And I remember when we first met, I was, like, so excited. I was very nervous, though. What? To meet you. To meet me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Because I felt like we were immediately—I I already knew we were kindred spirits because I was wearing, like, Chanel on the carpet. And, it, <laughs> like, when Chanel on a carpet wasn't cool because it was, like, still, like, technically kind of, like, old lady-ish. Uh-huh. And then I was like, then I saw, like, I was like, when, I mean, you, you like shot, like you were, I mean, everywhere, right? And I remember seeing your style and I was like, mm, <laughs> that's a girl of my own heart. Aww. Like, because you were doing that. And I was like, that, that she's interesting. She's <laughs> cool, you know? And then I, when I flew down there, I think the first time we met was in the hotel room in Miami. In Miami. Right, because I got myself there, even though I wasn't in the episode. Exactly. <laughs> right? Didn't you come as like a like a guest or a tourist, or did you yeah. just tell Jay like? No, like I was a-, a club promoter. Like I was promoting a club. Like they said I was going to be at a club, so, <laughs> so I got amazing. to Miami. <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. And we met, and I was like, oh god, she's so beautiful. Oh. And then I remember there was one time we went out, um, like shortly after that, in Los Angeles, and you took me to what is the place on Fairfax? Canners, Canners, and you got Blintzes. Yep, with applesauce. <laughs> yeah. I know. I all can't of, believe you remember. I that. remember all of it. Of course, I do. Oh my god! Yeah. So Canters, Schwartz, and Adam Brody, and all of us, we frequent frequent in Canners like all the time. And the cheese Blintzes, man, my half Jewish heart just love mm-hmm. me a Blintz, and they make really good ones. That is hilarious mm-hmm. that you remember that. I think I know all of your 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 favorite snacks. <laughs> you probably do, because like I said, I mean, four years on a show together. As you know, Mindy, when you work on, on these episodics with people, you get to know them inside and out, and that, you know, includes Blintzes. <laughs> yes, yes, and sunflower seeds. And sunflower seeds. <laughs> ja- Jamie, I think I only got to meet you actually at the rap party. Yes. And you were the kindest, most beautiful, energetic, 
And I could see that you were going to be a star. Or you already were a star. What am I talking about? Yeah. But I'm, I just remember you being just so gracious. And and that was probably the first and only time I got to see you in person. I know. Thank so you. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I was so geeked out to meet you because I was such a fan. Like I said, when you came on the scene, it was like, holy shit, like this force and meeting you and you being a part of the show was so exciting. And obviously we have gone on years and years, but it was just the coolest thing to have you. And how the OC came about, do you remember like get, getting the call yeah. or how it happened? That was the first, that was the first time I ever said yes to anything for television. Really? Hmm. Yeah, and it's because I wanted to chill with you. <laughs> no, for real, because there's, there's, there's something, it, 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 it's iconic. You know, and it's like, mm. you know, a group of really amazing actors and, you know, Josh and Stephanie. It's like that it, it, it's like part of the lexicon and it will be forever. And um, I got the call and they asked if I would guest star. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's going to be so much fun. But that was the first time I ever chose to do television. Wow. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad you did. And then we got to spend so much time on Heart of Dixie. I know. Which is the best. The best, I know. I God, miss I miss it, it so much. I know, I always Can say that. Can we please remake it? Just <laughs> like, putting it out listening? there. Lila, Josh, Steph. Do fans ever remember you from this role? People do. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, do they? Yeah. How funny. But your accent is so on point and, you know, obviously... You have a southern like as lemon on Heart of Dixie, but I couldn't. I was like, oh my god, there she goes again. Just little. That part was trippy because <laughs> I forgot that I did a southern accent on that, and on Heart of Dixie, I remember. I, I don't know if you remember this, but I was playing around with different types of mm -hmm. southern accents the first week, and at one point I was like, okay, dial it back a little bit because I was like, maybe I can do all about Eve. <laughs> 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 and, um, uh, but it was it was kind of funny. Like it was sort of like it felt like when I was rewatching, I was like, wow, that was a precursor to Lemon, you know? Yeah. Um, but I have always learned so much from you. Now, Mindy, I remember like when we were on set, Jamie would have the scripts like completely broken down, her notes in every margin, and like you would do this thing. And you said it was something that Martin Scorsese <clears throat> taught. What was it again? Um, vocabulary of emotions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's inserting, essentially, you have a, an entire sheet, an entire list of very specific adjectives to describe, you know, each word or experience within the intent of each line. And so with Lemon, in order to create this sort of, well, I wanted her to be very lyrical and I wanted her juxtaposition to allow your character to shine, you know, um, that we would have this sort of musicality together because I really paid attention to the rhythms of your speech and and how, you know, you approach the craft and things like that. And, and you're so freaking funny. And so it was like, how do I set it up in a way where when Rach hits like a punchline that she's going to like... You know, like it'll kick off because I'll be on a lower note and she'll be on... No, I'll be on a higher note. She'll be on a lower note and it'll add like a period to the scene kind of thing. But the vocabulary of emotions is putting a very, like with each sentence, like elation. So then you go into that elation. So you're hooked into that very specific feeling 
So it creates, you know, all of this um, nuance, you know. Although I did feel like I dug myself into a hole because I ended up with every freaking, because I would speak with that fast cadence. Mm-hmm. And then I get the pages and I'd be like, <laughs> five, million, mm-hmm. 5 million lines per episode. Right. <laughs> Right. But yeah, you were always so prepared. And I think, Mindy, you know, you and Jamie are similar in that, like, breaking it down, being super prepared, and just giving these amazing performances, where I obviously work a little opposite to a fault. No, but you taught me a lot, though. You taught me a lot. I don't know if it was, if this was the exact words that you said, but something about, like, television being a marathon, not a sprint, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And your grace, because again, yeah, I'd never been on any... 22 episode series I had I didn't know how to approach it any other way other than like doing you know a film and I'm from the actors too so it's very much like this kind of process and um I learned so much about your your endurance and your tolerance and like you taking care of you and um your your capacity to have fun in the way that you would engage with the crew and and cast and and it taught me like that if, God forbid, we got new pages, like, the night before, I didn't have to freak out. <laughs> you know, like, it's going to be okay mm-hmm. if something's not highlighted and doesn't have five million notes mm-hmm. because I'm so meticulous that way. And so I really learned so much from you as a leader and as a as an actor. I know there's such a huge delay, so I apologize. That's why I'm kind of slowly listening here. But I think one of the wonderful things about episodic television is that um, what you're speaking about, Jamie, that when you're doing, um, you know, a movie for only a few months, that having that preparation and breaking down and and having the script break down and your character break down is really important. But when you do something for four seasons or 10 months at a time, you you get to know the character so well that we're not doing all of that character development all the time, or at least that's what I found um, once you're into it for a season or two. Things become, you know that character so well that um, if we get to discover things um, about the character in season three and four that we hadn't before, those are just icings on the on the cake. But it's um, doing a character that that repetitively for so long can be such a joy because you get to know that character and get to flesh it out so much more than just in a few months. Yes, absolutely. It yeah, it's so enriching. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. such a that was truly one of the best experiences of my life. And as we grow and change as human beings, as actors ourselves, um, there is a merging with the character, you know? And so that has to be applicable because it's not like you're just playing a character or you just know a character. You know, so many elements of that character is you and also what's on the page, you know? And so it's a, it was really a gift. We had so much fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) fun's definitely the word to use right when we talk about that yeah I always felt like people thought I was super uptight what do you mean like I was like oh god uh, with all the notes and the this and the that and I'd be <laughs> so like I was like do they think I'm a, like a crazy person <laughs> but I learned to let like let go and that's that's the joy of the craft of acting and um is the the constant opportunity to move into the mastery of it and also just be present in the moment of it and be free in it. You right. know? And that's one thing, like, I love watching you. This is your freedom. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no. You know, so much of that preparation allows you to let go. That's the if whole I point. If I can be completely, pre- yeah, if I can be so prepared 
that I don't have to think about that dialogue than I can be in that moment, you know? Exactly. Right. That's the whole reason for me in terms of the process of preparation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is, can I ask you a question? What is, what is the greatest advice you've ever been given? And what is the greatest advice you can give? Oof. Mm-hmm. In what area? <laughs> Any? Well, you've had a very, you know, um, you've had you've had quite a journey from, you know, I looked at some of I watched some of your interviews and you and you 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 talk very deeply and passionately about, you know, uh, modeling at such a young age. But then you have a journey that we all learn from and and your journey has taught you quite a bit. And, uh, you know, do you have any advice or things that have been taught to you that you could share? I mean, there's a there's a couple of different pieces. Um Take care of yourself so you can take care of others. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt others. And be of service to yourself so you can be of service to others. And it seems sort of rudimentary, but when you really look at it and and the truth of that, I mean, it comes back to everything that we're learning nowadays when we talk about boundaries and this and that and the other. It's like, okay, how do we take care of us, ourselves? Because if we're not doing that, then we can't take care of other people. How are, are we hurting ourselves? You know, what does that look like? Are we not, you know, it's, it's all like everything internally is a reflection externally um, in our interpersonal relationships and how we relate to the world in every single facet. Um, so that is to me, one of the fundamental keys that I do my best to adhere to. Um, and the other piece of advice that resonates with me a lot is look for the good and the divine in all people and all things and leave the rest up to God or to the universe or whatever it is that you believe in. Just keep looking for the goodness and and for the gifts within each situation, especially now in these times where we've experienced so much global trauma and, um, you know, uh, very uh, traumatic pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's just keep looking for the goodness. Yeah, and if we all can just think of that more. But right? it ain't easy. No, it is it's not, not easy. easy. That's why it's like these core things. Because if it's simple and it, like it's like uh, what is, there's a saying, um, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like if I can just like it's simple but those are anchors for me because it's so hard. Mm-hmm. It's so hard sometimes, you know? Yeah, for sure. How do you balance motherhood with with all of it as well? Rachel mm-hmm. and I talk about this. It's we talk about it a lot. <laughs> you do your best. You just do your best. I mean, it, it'd be really nice, like, for me to be able to give, you know, like, all these, like, great, like, bullet points of, like, how to be a fantastic parent. It's, it just doesn't work like that, you know? It's, I, I mean, every day is is a, a completely new day. And, you know, I know, I mean, Rach and I both really, really love our children and really wanted to be mothers and, um, you know, have unique experiences as raising our children. And I, th- I think that it's a lot of tenderness and gentleness is required, you know, where, you know, with what we do, it's very different than a lot of other people. So our hours are different. The way our lives are led are very different. The way that people perceive us is very different. It's, um, it, it, but it's still applicable kind of to everyone. I know this may sound like a bunch of mishmash, 
but it's mm-hmm. it's like it's I think every parent feels some kind of like aching guilt of like not doing things perfectly. And I think that the more we put out in the media that there is some kind of formula for a perfect, happy life as a as a parent or or your children is a disservice to other parents, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. We're all just trying to get our kids to school on time. We're all trying <laughs> to like make sure they ate enough, and you right. know and that we do. Or, you know, it's like all these like, you know, yeah. It's life, and life is beautiful and messy and gorgeous, and um, you know everything in between. And 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 the beauty of children is that it's a consistent re reminder that of of what it means to be present. So whilst right. we're like you know, 10 million miles into the future or like getting pulled in energetically by, you know, emails or this or that or the other. It's like when we can really step back and like when I watch my kids, I'm just like, whoa, man, there's just not enough. When we hear not enough time, it's like, how can I create meaningful memories? That's really like what I've been thinking a lot about. How do I create meaningful memories with my children um, given the fact that I'm a single working mother mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I I, want to have these moments. And I think that, you know, if you can get, even if it's one hour time just fully present with them, that is so much more meaningful than trying to juggle, you know, working at home and this and that and the other because right. they still, they know the difference. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Oh, it, it's very concise in my mind yeah. because that's exactly, we have to normalize messy. No, there's yes. no such thing as perfection. Yes, right. It's, it's that, right. Life isn't problems. It's just full of solutions in moment to moment. Yeah, and that's all we're doing. That's all we're doing is trying to solve problems all day long. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And our best, doing our best at, yeah, our best can change at any moment. Yes. It doesn't mean oh. it's always going to be the same every time. 1,000%. Yes. But I was going to say, Jamie had her first baby, her son, uh, while we were shooting Heart of Dixie and had to come back to work, I think six weeks after you had him. Yep. She had a six-week-old baby with her at work oh. in her trailer, leaving to pump, to breastfeed, like all of it. Yeah. And juggling the, um, her role oh. as Lemon. And watching that, I was like, holy shit, I could never do that. <laughs> like, I could never do that. But yet you did, didn't you? No, I was pregnant on Heart of Dixie up until 37 weeks. And I had Briar right after we wrapped the fourth season. Yeah. You had a very keen and astute awareness to yourself because what you just said, you said to me, um, that kind of sentiment. Because I, you know, I I shot until the day I gave birth. So Until the day before I gave birth. I was in labor for 26 hours. Um, and yeah, came back. At exactly six weeks. Your cervix isn't even freaking close, guys. <laughs> it is, it's archaic. And that's not on anyone having to do with the show. That's just literally the laws of, you know, this country. Um, and I was so lucky um, to be coming back to a, a place that was real family, you know, um, and to be able to do what I love. Uh, and you know, to have these mother figures on set, Rachel and Joni and, you know, all like, you know, these women that have deeply and will forever impact my life because they were part of my journey, you know. And I had tried several times to have children whilst on the show and went through many miscarriages and things like that. And 
essentially, you know, was going through that process as we were making this show very silently. Um, and it, those, those times on the set where I would see crew members holding my child, you know, literally makes me want to cry because I was able to keep, you know, working for my children's future and fulfilling my commitment and knowing that, like, nobody would let anything happen to that kid. Mm -hmm. Nobody would let anything happen to James Knight. Mm -hmm. He was the youngest to be sorted by a sorting hat at Warner Brothers. That was pretty cool, too. Um, <laughs> but I remember when you got pregnant. I mean, it was, so, it was so challenging and also comedic. Remember when, it, like... I got, was getting bigger and we'd come to the set and they'd have like a table to hear. And well, I'm because, like, guys, yeah. what is this, SNL? <laughs> they hid her pregnancy. Like her character wasn't pregnant on the show. So they hid, uh, they had to hide it mm. the whole time. <laughs> and I kept going to like preterm labor because it was freaking hot. It was like 112 degrees. <laughs> um, they had you carrying like massive purses, purses and yeah. hours and not any kind of things. But yes. when you got pregnant, you know, the, the one thing, that's another thing that you really taught me is something about like really standing up for yourself. And I think I'd said something like, oh, well, we could still do the show and you can do it. And you're like, I can't. I'm not. It was something like, I don't, I'm not built that, not built. There was something about strength. I don't have the strength to do that. I don't want to, I, I saw what you went through and I don't, and I don't want that. Right. And, and it was so beautiful. Um, because I didn't really know that I had a choice. Right. And, um, you know, I guess the way I didn't come from a lot of money and I, you know, as a kid, and there's always that thing as an actor where we always feel like, oh, you can't make a mistake and you have to keep showing up and whatever they say, mm -hmm. you got to do. And, and I really learned so much about that and like really deeply respect you for understanding what what worked for you in that time and in that moment and especially you know we had had such a like such a wildly successful show um and I'm so thankful you got to have you know you didn't have to worry about a 10 minute warning with someone knocking on your door <laughs> while you're trying to breastfeed and your milk is drying up and you know what I mean you're not sleeping and all this stuff and um, that we get to have these glorious experiences in, in different ways. When I got pregnant, I was, I mean, that's all I ever wanted. And then I had a very distinct feeling that it was going to be met with uh, not the same kind of um, joy uh, by certain certain people that are our bosses, were our bosses. Um, and not because they don't love or care about us or or me, or that they wouldn't be happy, but because of the nature of the studio system, the nature of Hollywood is one where everyone, I think, is a lot of the times afraid because everyone has a boss above them, above them, above them. It is this kind of incessant pressure um, that is untenable at times. And um, I, when I, I remember calling my agent, Leslie, and I was like, I think this is going to be a problem. Like, and she was like, what are you talking about? Like, messing and, you know, Deborah Messing, Carrie Washington, Busy Phillips, da, 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 like naming every single person. She's like, I've never had an issue with this before. Never had an issue with this before. It became an issue. It became an issue where I they did not want to pay me um, for any episodes that I would miss um, to give birth for James Knight. Um, 
And my lawyers were like oh, freaking out because they had never seen that. Everything before had been done on good faith. So nothing had been technically written in a contract. Oh, we're going to, you know, pay you for your episodes that you miss, you know, for those six weeks or whatever, however many that it takes. And so I was already like thinking like a filmmaker. I was like, okay, we can get a waiver from the DGA. Um, we could pre-shoot um, this, 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 this. So that way, you know, she's not going to be off air for X many episodes. It'll already be in the can. It'll all work out. And, you know, there, there, there was just a lot of fear around it. And um, so then it became kind of like, this is very candid, became sort of like a game of chess where it was like, okay, well, we'll pay you for one episode or we'll pay you for two. And so it was this negotiation. And then I agreed to come back by a particular date. And if I did not come back by that particular date, essentially I would be having to, it'd be like a fine, a very expensive fine. Hmm. Definitely not easy decisions as we've discussed at length, actually, because <laughs> Mindy, you know, had a daughter who was three when, when she was on the OC shooting. I mean, what you miss, you know, there's so much that to be missed, but yet you still, we still need to work, you know. And again, it's the mm -hmm. psyche, I think, of an actor that it's like this idea that if if you don't say yes or if you if you stand up for yourself, then it's all going to fall apart. And now right. I know very differently. Right. But, but, you know, that's a learned process. What was that like for you? First of all, I just want to say thank you for sharing that. I think that's fantastic because, yes, we women have been treated differently in every industry across the world. And I never knew that um, something that you were a part of ha maybe has changed the industry. And, and I'm just so excited to hear that. Yeah. Um, it, honestly, because I wasn't number one on the call sheet. Um, my daughter was three. She was already in preschool. And the OC was like the perfect time in my life because, I mean, I hate to say it, but sometimes going to work was the respite from the yes. from domestic life. Um, but I, I breastfed her once on a guest spot that I did. And it was one of the hardest days. Oh, and I was pumping. And this child, because I was demand feeding, <laughs> but I was pumping. So it was the first time that she was not getting the breast. And after that day, she never took a bottle again. <laughs> she went straight to a sippy cup. Yep. But um, no, I mean, it's people like you that have the guts to do that, mm -hmm. to change or create a precedent that are so important in um, an ind industry that kind of plays by its own rules, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but that being said, guys, I want you to continue talking. I literally have a heart out because I have two scenes that I have to go shoot so I can fly home tomorrow. But <laughs> yes. Jamie, I, I had to share this cute, quick little thing because I heard the story that you're, um, that you're named after um, Lindsay Wagner's character in The Bionic Woman, Jamie yes. Summers. <laughs> yes. And in 1977, I was on vacation when I was like eight years old in Hawaii and I saw this, um, I swam out to the little platform in Hawaii and there was this bronze goddess there wearing a belly chain and it was Lindsay Wagner. And <gasps> no she, I looked up to her my whole life. That's and crazy. it was two my years before you were born. When I tell her and, I, and I, for the rest of my life, I always bought a belly chain to look like the bionic woman. Oh my God. And uh, I thought it was so cute that you're named after, after Lindsay Wagner's bionic woman. Oh my woman. God, I love that story. <laughs> my mom's gonna be so excited. She was her favorite. <laughs> Well, Mindy, oh, go kick ass. Mindy, get we home love you. Safe. Break love a leg. You. Oh, come home. Yes. I'd love to 
Congrats on your children and being the incredible woman you are. And I always really love to research our guests and you're just super inspiring. Yeah. Thank and, you so much. and it's an honor to talk to you. And I, I'd love to give you a hug in person one day. And I'm sorry that I'm not there. So we'll do it soon. I would love that. Love Thanks you, so much. Love you. Hi, guys. I'm a huge, huge fan of the OC and, of course, Heart of Dixie as well. I've watched both so so many times and i'm obsessed with your acting both of you oh. and melinda as well um so i have a question for jamie i just wanted to ask you probably get this a lot but how did you manage and train to be able to have that southern accent and was it difficult <laughs> to did you have to start speaking like that in that accent always or did you manage to kind of break in and out of it um depending on when they started filming thank you so much and i love you so much guys oh i love you so sweet oh my god the sound <laughs> of her voice is so nice mm-hmm. um the southern accent for heart of dixie yeah i specialize in dialects uh i'm obsessed with them with with lemon it's like it, it was georgia alabama like it was sort of nebulous you know, because we were living in a fictional place. <laughs> Bluebell. In Bluebell. Mm-hmm. The best place ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish we could go chill on the gazebo right now and get some froyo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with with Lemon, I, I researched a lot of different dialects. I had to decide whether I had to make a decision. Dialects change um, depending on, okay, you know, where are the parents from? Are the par- is one parent from... You know, one state, another parent from a different state. What does the blending of that look like? Um, what would be accessible given the demographic of the audience? Um, there's such a, uh, a musicality and a language to um, Southern accents, and it's very specific. So it's also like, to me, Lemon was very, uh, as you know, reverent towards the the traditions that she grew up in. Um, and so it's the same thing with any, anyone in the South, they all have very different accents, you know, East Texas versus, you know, New Orleans versus yada, yada. So I watched a lot of different films, um, and tried a bunch of stuff out when we would rehearse and when we started shooting to see when I I was, when it was too specific or not too specific. Mm -hmm. Like I said, that was that sort of like all about Eve thing. <laughs> and I was like, let me go real far. Um, but what's interesting about it is that it, first of all, my mouth would hurt all the time in the beginning because they throw everything into the front of their mouth, right? And then you want to speak, like you want to have a, a real rhythm to it, but it's a way of speaking real quick and slow at the same time. <laughs> and so you're throwing it to the front of your, to the front of your mouth and what's strange is that it almost like re- it felt like it reformed the way that I speak. Mm-hmm. So after Heart of Dixie, anytime I would pick up a freaking side or a script, I'd hear it in Southern, like in the, <laughs> in, in specifically Lemon's voice. Right. And so I'd have to be like really careful because I would start to talk. The minute I held a piece of paper, there was like a, a sense memory thing mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I picked up a side or a script and it was like, it was oh, I'm immediately going yeah. to Lemon, you know? And, and I was like, oh, God. this is." It was a really hard habit to break. Yeah. Um, but it was very, very, very fun to do. 
You did it amazing. I was always so impressed with your accent. Oh, even you. watching it in the episode of the OC, I was like, damn, like <laughs> <laughs> it's something you can just do. It's very impressive. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's hear the next one. Hi, I'm Luke from Wiltshire in the southwest of England. Hmm. Uh, my question's for Jamie King. I wonder who has been the funniest actor or actress you've had the pleasure of working with. Um, really enjoyed you in uh, Sin City and Bulletproof Monk. Absolutely love that film. Uh, but yeah, who's been the uh, the ones that make you laugh? Oh my God. God, that's a you really good freaking so question. so many. I mean, oh. you have worked with everybody. <laughs> oh my God. That's Luke is his name, right? Yeah. Luke, that's such a good question. Um, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try and think in order of like history of when I started to... Okay, Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> uh, like, I learned so much from Jason Schwartzman when we did Slackers together. He is one of the funniest people that I've ever worked with. I'm thinking again, like in timelines of like films I've done, you know, because it's just easier for me to do it that way. Um, I mean, the Wayans Brothers, absolutely. Like, right. you're dying. That was white chicks, right? For white chicks. Yeah. Like, dead, dying on the floor. <laughs> um, Eugene Levy. Um, we did Cheaper by the Dozen together. And Steve Martin. I mean, those guys are, like, freaking legends. <laughs> It's a lot. I'm trying to All think of funnies. like I'm trying to think of like you know those times where you can't stop la- you mm-hmm. honestly um, in terms of <laughs> female comedians Rachel for sure Rachel <laughs> has an extraordinary penchant for brilliant comedic timing <laughs> like really brilliant comedic timing <laughs> oh, thanks, and you, you're Jamie. not expecting it <laughs> 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 so that's what kept it so fun because it always was like felt like we were like a in the scene, like in a verbal fisticuff. And I never knew what you were going to do. And so it was so hard sometimes to like just not like burst. We broke a lot. We broke a lot. Yeah. We broke a lot, a lot. I'm trying to think of the other. It's interesting how like there's more male comedians that you get to work with than so many women are cast like in really freaking funny roles. And Hopefully that's changing. I feel like I there's a lot of women now, that are, yeah. Now, but like, it, like for a while, yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah. they're the, more the straight person. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. I'm trying to think of that. Who else? Those are, that was a really good list. That's a great list. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Jamie and Rachel. Love you guys from Heart of Dixie. Just wondering if you guys would ever consider doing a reunion. We would love to see where <laughs> everyone is at right now. Like, yes. Yes. The answer Absolutely. is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah. Yes. I'd give anything for that show to I be going again. Anything. I mean. Anything. Working at home. Anything. The best cast and crew. We had the best time. I loved the, my character. Your character. I mean, we had it was amazing. Best. It was the best. It was truly one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah. I will. I, I mark. I literally mark my life by those years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it really is, like, I have chills, like, thinking about Just it. pivotal time it's, all around. Yes. But yes, the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> hey, Rachel and Jamie, this is Sam Schweikert, your set PA for season two of Heart of Dixie. Sam! Uh, not really a question, but mostly just wanted to say that <laughs> working with you all was such an unbelievable experience. Aww. And watching both of you work and the opportunities that I had, particularly on that set, and even the singular opportunity that I had to act in one of the episodes was certainly 
part of the tipping point that led me to pursue acting. So I really just wanted to give a thanks to both of you because seeing you all work and put in the time and the effort and dedication that you did on that show and also the fun that you had making that really is kind of truly what inspired me to have that be my own path and to pursue that exact same dream. So just wanted to thank you guys and send you both the best. Oh, I want to cry. That is so sweet. Sammy, Sam. the best. We love you Will so you? much. That is so, aw, man. Sammy, Shucks, the best. guys. Yes. Mm. Thank you, Sam. For we love you, Sam. Putting up with us. And- I mean, for real. <laughs> and for always being like dedicated. Even like to this day, he's always like, I can see like you're like, he's always on top. He's just so loving, so supportive. Oh, my God. That makes me really emotional. That was so sweet. Can we all go back to Warner Brothers? Let's go back to Bluebell, y'all. Can we go back to Bluebell? <laughs> <laughs> Old-timey banjo Old timey music. banjo <laughs> whatever. music. Wait, what did you say? There's one blooper. You're like... Oh, yeah. banjo uh, You can say cute. Um, what was it? Something. We'll have to look it up. Yeah. There's a lot of bloopers. There was. <laughs> Aww. Thank well, you for thank having you, me. Jamie, for I love you so making much. the time. Love you so much Anything for coming here Anytime. and talking. And let's make Heart of Dixie happen. Can we please? Yes. Yes. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. Follow, rate, and review. Welcome to the OC Bitches, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like to watch us, check it out on YouTube. Have a safe trip home, Mindy. Bye, bitches. I'm coming over tomorrow. Yay. Hi, everyone. It's Rabia Chaudhry. And I'm Ellen Marsh. And we have a new podcast called Rabia and Ellen Solve, Solve the, case. the Case. As you know, I am a very smart lawyer. You are. You're so well-respected in the entire world. You know everything. Thank you so much. And as you know, I am a famous Broadway star. Gorgeous. I sing like a nightingale. Well, yes. at least that's what your mom says. <laughs> Just kidding. This is Ellen Marsh. And, and I'm Rabia. Rabia but we are teaming up to bring you a show like you have never heard before. True crime meets talk show. Nobody's done it. We're going to do it. We're going to do the impossible. And it's the two things that I love. Ellen, I think you'll like it too. What? True crime and talking? Yeah. I'm there. Every other week, we will have a guest talking about whatever true crime case they are obsessed with. We have a list, everything from the Lacey Peterson murder. Yeah, some of the most famous cases you've ever heard of, obviously, like John Benet Ramsey, the West Memphis Three. Chris Watts, Khalif Browder. Elisa Lamb, Madeline McCain. Sandra Bland, the Springfield Three. The list goes on and on. But they are all cases that you know, and we are going to dive in deep with someone else and just talk about them. No, we're going to solve the case, Ellen. That's right. We're going to solve the case. So subscribe to Rabia and Ellen Solve the Case wherever you get your podcasts.